We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's the bat poles. May the force be with you. Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Before we get to today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. Look for more series based on Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek coming to streaming service Paramount Plus. This from Paramount Plus president of original scripted series, Nicole Clemens. Clemens and Chief Programming Officer Tanya Giles spoke with reporters during an executive session at the Television Critics Association press tour on Tuesday. There are currently five Trek-based shows on Paramount Plus, and the streaming service believes it has yet to hit critical mass for Star Trek. There are at least two more Trek shows in development, with Michelle Yao as Philippa Giorgio in Section 31, and a Star Trek Academy series. Alex Kurtzman has previously said that producers are thinking ahead with their rollout of Star Trek shows, and that they will most likely cycle in more offerings as others are phased out. It has been announced that the upcoming Season 2 of Star Trek Picard will be the final one for this series. So the most likely notion remains that new shows will be added as replacements rather than, than adding to the slate of Star Trek shows despite Paramount's declarations regarding whether Star Trek has peaked. Of course, Paramount has said it is keeping its options open for now. In related news, a new poster for Star Trek Strange New Worlds was released earlier this week. The show will be available on Paramount Plus starting on May 5th. Dateline Hollywood reported earlier this week that actress Dakota Johnson is in final talks for the role of Madame Webb in Sony's next standalone Marvel Universe movie. Madame Webb was introduced back in 1980 in Amazing Spider-Man number 210. She has been a supporting character up until now. In the comics, she is a blind, paralyzed elderly woman who is a clairvoyant mutant. Madame Webb also summers, uh, suffers from a chronic autoimmune disorder which necessitates her connection to a life support system resembling a spider web. A new trailer dropped earlier this week for Halo. You can view the trailer on one of the FF social media pages and while you're there if you haven't already follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Halo is coming to Paramount Plus March 24th. Another somber anniversary in the annals of American space exploration history this week, as February 1st marked 19 years since the tragic loss during re-entry of the Space Shuttle Columbia in 2003. Actor Bill Moomy celebrated his 68th birthday on February 1st, 
Beginning his career as a well-established child actor, Mumy rose to even greater prominence for having portrayed young Will Robinson on Irwin Allen's Lost in Space. He is also known to genre audiences for his role as the Minbari Lanier on Michael J. Michael Straczynski's Babylon 5. Happy birthday, Billy. Marvel Comics will be publishing a sequel to its popular Secret Invasion crossover series from 2008. With the MCU adapting the storyline for movies, uh, this move isn't entirely surprising. The limited series, written by Ryan North and illustrated by Francesco Mobili, will be available later this year. Spider-Man No Way Home faces stiff competition at this weekend's box office. The film has dominated theaters since its release seven weeks ago, but it is likely that Jackass Forever will be number one. The other new release, Roland Emmerich's disaster epic Moonfall, is projected at number two, although that movie is expected to perform better overseas. But don't count the web slinger out for a domestic upset. Upset, excuse me. Today we're talking about some of those stories, the latest episode of The Book of Boba Fett, and wherever else the conversation takes us. But first, here is the official FF review of Moonfall. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. From the earliest days of human existence has mankind looked to the heavens at the moon. Whether with fear, awe, or a sense of reverence, humans have been obsessed with it. And the moon has been a constant, ultimately inspiring humans to seek, strive, and literally touch our planet's natural satellite. Roland Emmerich evokes all these cultural memories to present his latest epic blockbuster, Moonfall. Astronaut Brian Harper is disgraced following an orbital accident in which one of his space shuttle crew is lost. Harper insists that there was an extraterrestrial disturbance that interrupted his spacewalk and caused severe damage to the shuttle as well as the satellite which was being serviced. However, surviving crew member Jocinda Fowler cannot corroborate Harper's story as she was injured during the disturbance and unconscious. Harper is canned from NASA and loses his home and family. Years later, Fowler, who is still working at NASA, discovers the moon itself is falling out of orbit and on a deadly collision course with Earth. She believes she has a way to reverse it and save all life from being destroyed. Simultaneous to Fowler, conspiracy theorist Casey Hausman also stumbles onto the deadly change in the moon's orbit. Unable to contact NASA on his own, he seeks out Harper, who realizes that the information could redeem him. Ultimately, Fowler, Harper, and Hausman must assume the mission of saving Earth before disaster strikes. This movie is evidence that Roland Emmerich's name carries enough weight in Hollywood to get pretty much any picture made. I've generally enjoyed his work as a director and writer, but this movie feels like a big-budget movie of the week. It's beautiful to look at. See it in IMAX if you go see it. And it's not as if there are no redeeming elements to the film. A great deal of money was spent on this movie. No expense was spared on the effects budget. The marketing is top shelf. The cast is excellent. Led by Halle Berry and starring Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Charlie Plummer, Michael Pena, Kelly Riley, and Kelly Hugh. 
And while no performances particularly stood out for me, the actors do their best to sell the questionable material. But the screenplay, written by Emmerich and Harold Closer and Spencer Cohen, didn't give the cast much with which to work. There is a formula for these disaster sci-fi epics to which this picture generally adheres. Consequently, there is nothing unique or novel about the movie. It speaks to where we are culturally that such outstanding visual effects, which would have been groundbreaking to see 30, possibly even 20 years ago, are used as a device. And audiences have become sophisticated enough that they don't bat an eye at what has become commonplace in contemporary filmmaking. Moonfall runs two hours and ten minutes, and while it doesn't drag, there's a great deal of exposition. Story-wise, the screenwriters have a lot to accomplish to move things along. There's establishing the main characters, and introducing the problem with the moon, then determining a solution to the problem and beginning to implement it. So by the time our stalwart crew launches towards the moon to enact their plan for salvation, the audience is pretty much exhausted. And there are several subplots running, too. It's a lot. Surprisingly, this is a movie you can take your kids to see. As is common for films of this genre, some of the characters in the film are children. And there's some salty language, but it is used appropriately and kept to a minimum. There isn't any nudity or sexual situations. While there is widespread destruction in the form of huge chunks of debris falling out of the sky and destroying large swaths of territory, Unlike Emmerich's 2009 disaster movie, 2012, the audience doesn't, for the most part, see people being torn up in the carnage. It's rated PG-13 for action-adventure sci-fi. This is an entirely forgettable movie. Nothing to distinguish it whatever. Your kids might enjoy it, and it could be a decent date movie. Maybe it's simply bad enough to be entertaining. One half star out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official FF review of Roland Emmerich's Moonfall, which opened in theaters yesterday. And as I said, this is one that uh, apparently <clears throat> is going to do a lot better overseas, uh, as you heard <laughs> from the review. <laughs> I'm not expecting it to do uh, terribly anything uh, here domestically, but... You know, that's another one of those let's see what in the heck happens kind of situations. So, it is uh, time for me to introduce today's panel. And joining me are Roberto Ortiz and Camille Richardson. And I am going to be connecting with uh, our stalwart Mike Lunsford momentarily. You know, uh, perpetual... Uh, technical issues in the <laughs> WERA booth. Yes, I am outing WERA here. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, it's it is. It's it, hey, it's always a pleasure. You know, it's, it's always entertaining to watch you trying to basically make the chip. You know, go forward. Oh come on, you didn't even know. <laughs> That's why it's entertaining. You were like, is there something happening? It's like. <laughs> So I guess I'm afraid there is. Mike, we got you too? You do, indeed. There you go. Wow. All right. I, I knew that it was all going to work out some kind of way, at, at least in terms of uh, actually being able to it's connect everybody. Hmm? You're, a mean, you're a man of means. Yes. <laughs> <Get things> done. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think it has more to do with uh, what, what, what's that? Uh, it's one of those old adages about um, uh, necessity being the mother of invention. Okay. Yeah. And I have been extremely inventive. <laughs> extremely, in fact, so much so I, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to just cuss and let the FCC come on down. <laughs> <laughs> Let them, let them figure it out. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm more professional than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're about you. Yeah, hey, yeah. well, we're, like I said, we're 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 just gonna let it go. In any case, um, I am uh, I'm wondering about uh, what was I wondering about? Right, yeah, I'm actually thinking about six different things at, at once. Um, uh, actually, let, let let's start with Star Trek because Yay. there was that. Um, there's that story about these other Star Trek shows that are in development currently. And I, as as the old man of the group, I, I just, I have to say, uh, Star Trek, uh, well, of course, everybody knows originally Gene Roddenberry had this idea and they went through two pilots before it finally got picked up, was on for uh, three years, grudgingly on NBC, it was only going to be on for two and uh, the producer was so difficult to deal with and let me tell you there were other shows that were not rated as highly as star trek was that got picked up and after the end of the second season nbc was like screw this guy we've had enough and then the fans actually got involved sent over a million individual pieces of mail to the nbc offices deluged nbc in a letter writing campaign and star trek was saved now, the third season of Star Trek, I have to say, has all, well, historically, by we older fans, was viewed with some suspicion and uh, not outright contempt, but it it's was, bad. well, it, no, let me tell you something, let me tell you something. I have come to feel over the years that some of the finest episodes of this series are actually in the third season. Uh, again, I wasn't crazy about it at the time, and it not only was it viewed with suspicion, but it seemed less legitimate somehow than the first two seasons. But now, today, in 2022, more than 50 years after this thing, at, at least the three seasons of Star Trek, the original series, all are... Uh, this is the foundation on which all this other stuff is built. Now, uh, going from there, and and this is significant also, only because the gee, all right, how do I how do I want to put this? The star. Okay, so after the third season, it was absolutely dead. But then they did a cartoon series uh -huh. uh, from Filmation. And uh, start there. There was a a slogan that became popular in the early '70s, which was "Star Trek Lives," and you had to be there to appreciate that because you know the thing was kind of DOA, but for the fact that there were these fans going to conventions who would uh, play the episodes over and over again. You had the cartoon series, and this is when somebody got the brilliant idea, hey, let's bring this show back as a TV series. And so they started working on Star Trek II, which eventually became Star Trek The Motion Picture, because somebody else said, hey, instead of bringing it back as a TV series, let's, let's do a movie. 
big budget movie and it was a real live movie fellow by the name of robert wise was the director now this guy was a real live hollywood motion picture director and uh, as the story goes the cast of the original series was on set with this robert wise and they were in awe and robert wise was in awe of them because they were the cast of this fabulous tv series that just would not die so Anyway, all of that to sort of lay the groundwork for where we are today. Yeah. Because, of course, you had Star Trek The Next Generation, and that was followed by Star Trek Deep Space Nine, yeah. and Star Trek Voyager, and Star Trek Enterprise. And then it seemed as if the thing might really be dead, you know, because yeah. they, you know, Paramount had kind of shot their wad, as the expression goes. And But then... You had, well, and of course, in the interim, we had these movies. We had movies with the original cast members. We had movies with the Next Generation cast. And then you had J.J. Abrams who came along and was like, hey, I want to do some movies. And we're going to recast these iconic roles of these people. And we're going to do this. And I think this was where people started to figure, hey, maybe there's some more money to be made off of this thing called Star Trek. And uh, all of this before Paramount Plus begins offering these shows, uh, starting with Star Trek Discovery. And and now, I mean, this cash cow that is Star Trek, the franchise, as they refer to it over at Paramount. Uh, and, of course, old-type old fans like me, uh, a lot of them totally hate it against it, want to talk about how they hate Star Trek Discovery and how they don't feel it to be legitimate and all this. Ah. But uh, say sadly, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about it, uh, well, excuse me, I'm going to I'm going to say this, I'm going to re-intro, and then I'm going to let you all talk. But um, this is why you have all this new Star Trek that old-time fans, and I'm the, the original, I'm not an original fan, I'm kind of second fan, well, excuse me, I, I'm going to say second generation in that I was too young to really watch all of Star Trek when it was on TV. I do remember season three. It came on at 10 o'clock on Friday nights, like in 1969. And I remember seeing at least one or two episodes because I got to stay up late. <laughs> but, you know, I discovered the show on WPIX Channel 11 in New York in reruns, like a lot of people did. Anyway, so here's the thing. All you old fans, it's not for you. It's not for you. Many of many of y'all are dead or gonna die, and these new shows are to keep this series alive. I, I plan to in live forever. Future. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Commander Riker. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on W E R A ninety six point seven FM and streaming via W E R A. FM. We are Arlington. I'm joined today by Camille Richardson and Mike Lunsford and Roberto Ortiz. And we were just talking about Star Trek, the show that will not die. Uh, Paramount Plus has five, well, actually four Star Trek series, but they're counting Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is going to start up in March. So they might, you might as well say that there are five, you know, while they've got these other shows in development. And so the, and there's also yeah. an anthology show that they're thinking of. They're Starfleet Academy, which is basically that's one of the ones in development, along and with Section Thirty One and, and some other really want to do, mm. which is a grand, fantastic idea. It's an anthology show, which is basically it's every episode would be about a different era of Star Trek, and you could, for example, do an episode with Archer, what happened during his later years, or 
one with Zulu on what happened basically in the later years. I'm beginning to see a pattern here. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but the cool thing is that the way Star Trek is done is that it lends itself to do a lot if you're creative. And the world is so vast and so rich that, yeah, there's a, it's the potential of what you can do with Star Trek uh, has not been reached yet. Uh, limitless. Yeah. Absolutely limitless. Hmm. Well, does anybody else have anything to say about this? I know we were talking about some other stuff, and maybe yeah. you don't care. You know? Absolutely. Mike, no, I, yes. tot- mm-hmm. I totally do. And, and, and the reason why is because I, for a long time people were like, well, which one do you like more, Star Trek or Star Wars? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the more and more I think about it, I mean, I, I do love Star Wars. There's, there's aspects of Star Wars that I absolutely love, but I think I love Star Trek more. And the reason oh. why is because I think Star Trek means more. Yes. Because Star Trek is is symbolic. It, it's not just, but it's not just symbolic. It's also hope for our future. Again, Star Wars is great. I love Star Wars. It has lots of great stories. But Star Wars is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And Star Trek is us. Is what humanity can do when we put aside our petty differences and realize that there are no races except for the human race yeah. on Earth. And that we all come together and we can achieve great things. And that is all the reason why I love this this franchise more. ultimately more because of what it symbolizes. But not only that, too. There's something that Star Trek has done in, in recent years that I'm really, really happy with. And I want to be clear. I understand the old fans' mentality of, oh, I don't like this as much. I don't like this as much. And frankly, I don't either. It's not my favorite Star Trek. When I want to watch Star Trek, I typically go nostalgic and I watch like the original series movies or I watch The Next Generation like because you can stream them anywhere. But I still watch all the new stuff because I love how bold it is to boldly go where no one has gone before. And that is exactly what they're doing. They're taking the spirit of this thing and expanding it outward and saying, hey, before you didn't really get to see an interracial kiss. You didn't get to see Russians and the Japanese and Americans working together because it was still like right after World War II. The Cold War was in the midst of its height. Like everybody was represented, but now they're doing the same thing. We're seeing trans folk represented. We're seeing people of color Mm -hmm. represented in, in a great way. And it's just fantastic. This is exactly what it should be. And this is what its future should be. And then Yuli and I, Yuli, you and I had a conversation not too long ago about this, where Star Trek even said this, where Kirk and Spock and Star Trek Six are talking to each other, and they're both like admitting how they were wrong about mm. their mindsets, and they were like, "Have we outlived our usefulness?" <laughs> <laughs> I remember the scene well. And that's one of the things I think about too. Is like I don't want to be the type of person who says. Like, oh, well, I like the older version better. I don't like what they're doing with the new stuff because then it becomes a thing of, have I outlived my own usefulness? Am I so set in my ways that I can't see that there's great things coming from this new stuff? Yeah, gatekeeping is a bad thing. Always. And and one of the things I I actually, have you guys been watching Star Trek Prodigy? No, I haven't haven't started it. I really want to watch it. I haven't started it. I wanted to finish Lower Decks first. Like, I'm, I'm... catching up slowly with everything uh it's the only thing that reminds me that watching a kid show is because uh you get ads for spongebob in the middle of the show right but wow it's so well written and it talks honestly to children specifically about the world and the point of the show is that it acknowledges that the world is scary and that there's Mm. monsters out there 
literal monsters. I mean, we're talking here, the only spoiler I'll give you is that the kids are, are running away from human trafficking, for the love of God. All of them. And the point of the show is basically is how the Federation offers hope, working together, how communication is important, how helping each other is important, how to acknowledge that people are different and it's okay, how beautiful the whole concept of Star Trek is that it's about you listening to another person and talking to them and seeing that they're different and it doesn't pander. Mm, it's mm -hmm. amazingly well green for children and in these times that things are so bad, it's a perfect show for kids. Seriously. It's like, wow. Mm. Really good. Yeah, I've watched the first uh, the first five episodes, I think, yeah. and uh, been extreme. I've been impressed. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, it. and like Mike, I mean, it's not exactly, I mean, all of this stuff, not exactly my cup of tea. But again, <laughs> we're trying to keep Star Trek alive. And yes. if you are, that old slogan, Star Trek lives... Uh, yeah, but um, you know, it, it really from the very beginning, uh, we've been sort of butting up against this because uh, James Doohan, very famously, when Star Trek: The Next Generation came out, he predicted that this was not going to be successful and seemed to think that the audience was more uh, had a greater affinity for the original characters <laughs> and was not going to be interested in this next generation of Starfleet officers. And of course he turned out to be completely wrong about all of that. I have a story. Uh, did you know David Gerald, the guy who wrote- Oh yeah, Trouble with Tribbles. He has a story mm -hmm. that's very good about gatekeeping. He used to go to conventions and then- Oh, is this the one yeah, where uh, somebody like, actually is trying to tell him about something he the, wrote? The proper, and yeah. <laughs> the proper term, he were telling him blah, blah, blah. And also, by the way, the proper term is trekker, no, Trekkie. And David Gerald was like, you realize you're talking to the guy who wrote Trolls with Trevor, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you gatekeeping me <laughs> for the love of God? And this, this is a problem we had had with the Star Trek community forever. Yeah. Any well, community. The, thank you. Thank Any you, community. Camille. I was getting ready to say just that. Mm. I mean, I've even had it with <laughs> with my own job and like we have we use Slack and we have like different lobbies and such and like I've joined into like the Star Wars ones and I've noticed that and I don't know if it's just cuz I'm female or what, I'll come in and I'll like, you know, I'll talk about a certain episode after the fact and go into all this interesting kind of theorizing what have you and I'll maybe get like a reaction and then anybody else says anything they'll have full conversations and after like mm. multiple weeks of this i'm like you know what i'm wow. over this like <laughs> i don't even want to be a part of your little group i'm done so i just took myself out of those groups and it's like i i, I know who my my star wars friends are <laughs> <laughs> but that blows you shouldn't have to go through that well no but i mean i also ran comic shops for six years and i can't tell you how many times people would come in and ask anybody else that was in there if they could be helped yeah. if they could help them and it's like i don't know why don't you ask the chick who runs it <laughs> <laughs> you've Goodness. heard this song and dance before haven't you <laughs> yeah yeah well the the to me and what Roberto said in terms of you shouldn't have to deal with this, particularly given that you happen to be one of the most knowledgeable people about all of this stuff that I happen to know. But beyond that, the fact that you have something substantive to offer yeah. that could actually enrich these conversations yeah. and these people, you know, and and so it so it, it that makes it to me doubly sad because by by insisting on clinging to this gatekeeping attitude yep. 
what you're really doing is you're you're injuring yourself you know not just other fans i mean the injury that you do to other fans is great and people should be ashamed for doing that. Well, it's so silly because it's all based on fear. You know, fear of this mm-hmm. not just being mine anymore and having to share it with somebody else who maybe I don't think is of the caliber that they should be in order to enjoy it. Like, <laughs> that's, just, that's a really good point. Yes, it's like mm-hmm. when people complain that Discovery happens to be a little bit too much LGBT. And it's like, I'm not LGBT, but I'm cool. It's mm-hmm. like if they want to join the party, go ahead. Well, and how they, much is too much? Right. That's a good point, and that's the thing that bothers me. It's like, who cares? It's Star Trek. If I don't care if the captain basically, it's omnisexual for all I care, which is what probably Kirk was. But anyway, uh, it's Star Trek. It's more people to the party. We should be happy. And I, uh, fans are the worst enemies of the franchise they say they love well especially all these different kinds i mean marvel star wars star trek all of it and like what they're actually based on and the morals and ethics they're trying to instill and it's like you know you're really just going against all of this right thank you there is some irony whenever somebody is like i just wish they weren't so political i'm like (laughs) like, have you never really paid attention to this like I don't think you know what you're talking about. Yeah, like it's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's like when they say that oh, Robocop is not a political film. Yes, it is. Uh, Star Trek is not political. Yes, it is super liberal, by the way. Oh, uh, Star Tra- Star Wars is not political. It's anti-fascism <laughs> for the love yeah, of God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Were the, there was a whole Nazi episode uniforms. where one guy who had a, a, a left side of his face is black and the other side is, is yeah. white was against the guy whose left side was white and his right side was black and they hated each other for no reason. Yeah, that's not political. Yeah, it's like the snar-bellied sneeches. No, comic exactly. books, too. Yes! Comic, comic mm-hmm. books, too. A- in fact, uh, as, as recently as... Yeah, games. No, but as recently as last week, as uh, we were embroiled in uh, what actually was a very serious political discussion, I had to stop and I said, look, people, this is actually a show about comic books and science fiction but it but it was all in line i mean you know yeah. we, we happen to have been talking about the how that um county in tennessee had censored mouse you know oh wow and yeah you know and, but this and is this, in Texas. yeah but it, it it's all I wish I was relevant that up. yeah well yeah and but and uh, the the point has been made on numerous occasions previously on this show that Fans of these genres should be more familiar with all of this than anybody and and where it leads because the stories that we have enjoyed for so many years a lot of them start out like this I mean I I, I, one of the things I've been thinking about is uh, V uh, the original miniseries I that was on that. NBC. Yeah, you know. Thank you. And, and hey, the, the the so-called conspiracy of scientists, you know. And I'm like, oh, the visitors are our friends, and the intense campaign that these aliens who were actually here to eat us, <laughs> breed us for food, uh, literally, and steal the water from the planet. Uh, you know, this this marketing campaign. You know, campaign of propaganda and disinformation that had humans allying with them and against their own kind and uh, you know uh, 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 people are watching this you know back in the the late 70s early 80s and there's always this well uh, that's that's so un- outlandish and you know yes ah. this kind of thing could never actually happen and yet 
here we are watching it. Video trivia. Kenneth Johnson, when he basically was pitching the idea to NBC of doing the miniseries. Hey, hey, uh, hold that thought for one second because that musical cue <laughs> means it's time for us to take a short break. Because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station. We're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Please visit the website at WERA.FM. Find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift today. So... We're going to step aside for a moment, but only for a moment, and Camille and Roberto and Mike and I will be right back with more Fantastic Forum, and in fact, I think we're probably going to be talking about that most recent episode of Boba Fett that was just on, so be warned, there are likely to be spoilers. And we're back here on Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Camille Richardson and Roberto Ortiz. And when we took the break... Uh, we were just closing out our conversation about Star Trek. Roberto, I'm going to let you finish your thought before we move on to the next discussion topic. Sure, don't sweet. Kenneth Johnson, when he was pitching B, he originally wanted to make uh, an analogy of fascism taking over the U.S. That's mm. the pitch original to NBC. NBC said no. And then he said to them, what if I make an alien invasion? And they say yes. And he based it on the French resistance in World War II. Mm, the whole point mm -hmm. of B is basically, it's an analogy. That's what science fiction does best. It's an analogy yes. about fascism. And the cool thing about it is you're right about the whole point of the scientists. And my favorite scene in that miniseries mm -hmm. is when the immigrant, who's the guy who's the coyote, who's used to smuggling people in the border, yes. smuggles scientists. And <laughs> it, it was such a awesome thing and you rarely see modern science fiction representations of normal people not superheroes not seals not special forces mm -hmm. fighting for what's right yeah yeah and uh, that that was significant yes. you know and the the other thing and then this again before we move on uh the analogies that are drawn and the way that modern science fiction television yes. has gotten by the network censors yeah. by disguising itself as simple science fiction you know i mean they they want to make these statements about fascism and uh, other very serious kinds well, of uh, had political a guy topics who survived the freaking holocaust who said uh i've seen this before yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't like this i'm gonna make a point that this is exactly mm -hmm. the same crap I saw before, mm -hmm. so no. Well, and particularly in terms of the way that people collaborated. Yes. You know, and I remember even uh, Mark Singer, uh, one of the lead characters who played Mike Donovan, and it just show you how much I love this show. Uh, his mom was yes. a collaborator, you know, and yes. it's like, oh my God, Mike Donovan's mom is a freaking collaborator. I mean, his son ended up as a collaborator, but they brainwashed him. I mean, they worked on this kid for a while, 
you know, and 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 turned him. But there was so. a Jewish kid, remember, that basically who was from the family of the scientists who went full Jit, uh, Hitler Jude, hardcore that he bought the whole concept of the visitors. I know who oh. you're talking about, oh, but no, no, he no, wasn't he, the he scientist was the kid. The exactly, the exactly. Yes. And because, in fact, it was the daughter of the scientist, yes. though, who slept with the alien <laughs> and had, like, the alien hybrid oh, baby. Oh, God, I used uh, to yeah, love that so yeah, much. Sorry. V, wonderful show. And, and, Look uh, it up. And V, the final battle before it went to a uh, regular weekly show on NBC that absolutely destroyed it. Yeah, but look this stuff up. You're going to love it. Okay, so... Spoiler warning. There are likely to be spoilers, but let me tell you something. I, I I have been pretty much trying not to get up at three in the morning and watch this stuff uh, <laughs> with Boba Fett. <laughs> or excuse me, the book of the Mandalorian in this case, maybe. But uh, at least with the past two episodes. Yep. But here's the thing. I happen to find myself awake at three in the morning oh, on wow. uh, Wednesday wow. morning. And so I said... Well, well eh, I'm up, so... Uh, there you go, Mike. Well <laughs> there you go. And let me tell you, I'm watching this thing, and I felt like I was about six years old because I was jumping up and down <laughs> in the seat. And I was like... Oh, 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 real sounds that I made while I was watching this thing. I mean, in addition to being awestruck by the effects by which they de-aged Mark Hamill to be like Return of the Jedi era Luke Skywalker. I was like, oh my goodness. Camille, I know you have. I know you you felt a way about this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, not even, well, actually one thing on Luke, I found out Mm -hmm. that that wasn't Hamill at all. They did it with a computer. Yeah. From <gasps> old stuff from, like, way back when. No yeah. kidding. But aside from that, like, that wasn't even my holy hell moment. As soon as we see Cobb Vanth looking out into the distance, I about, I started screaming. I straight up started screaming, my poor neighbors. Oh, and I would, yeah, like... I thought I heard something that was... Even- <laughs> <laughs> but I, and let me just say that had I died in that moment, like, after that scene, I've watched it, I think... If, 15 times at this point like just on repeat i can't stop watching it I, i'm losing my absolute mind it, it's my absolute favorite live star wars episode that's happened yet and i mean it actually beats the ahsoka when she first showed up and when bo katan first showed up the fact that we got cad mfing bane cad holy bane. hell i lost it I, I and he sounded so good i knew that was him. so good i knew but of i course. knew that was him who else would have that yeah. hat <laughs> well there you go in the distance with that yeah. jacket and oh I, my god! And I felt so bad for the marshal. I felt so bad for him. I'm sorry, because he had no he had no chance. <laughs> I cannot believe that they brought Space Raylan Givens into this series just to kill. Oh, I'm so upset. He better not be dead. No, he's not dead. He's not, he's not dead. dead. There's, no no, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. No, his deputy's dead. Oh, his deputy. Oh, his deputy is dead. 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 That deputy is not smart. He though. told them to say it's like stay in the house, Carl. <laughs> the, look, the look that he had on his face when the deputy started running his mouth. He's like, "Would you shut up?" <laughs> like, Are you serious? Like I'm about to pop you. <laughs> but it did. It, t- it takes you back to those old westerns. Marshall Dillon. Marshall Dillon. You know what's so funny too mm-hmm. is to look at the moment when you see Cobb Vanth against the Pikes, right? And you just see how quick he is with that with that pistol, and you're just like, "Wow, man! There's nothing that can compare to this except." <laughs> he's the only one that puts that man to shame and everyone else oh my god i gotta say what i really like about this because i've had my i've been vocal about my displeasure with this because <laughs> i 
it, it's weird. I described it to somebody. I was like, imagine going to the to like, you want to go get a pizza. Yeah. You, know, you go to a restaurant. And you're like, I want to order pizza, and you order pizza. <laughs> And then instead they bring you spaghetti. <laughs> and like they bring you spaghetti. But, and but it's like, the well, best I'm... spaghetti you ever had exactly. in your life. That's the problem because you're just like, the, like it. the waiter comes by, like hands on his, like hands together. He's like, so what do you think? And you're like, this is really, really good spaghetti. I order pizza though. And they're like, and he's like, oh my bad. They're like, you know what though? I've seen because, like, like missing signs of like you know Boba Fett missing, and then last scene with Din Jaren like you know report to Cad Bane, and I just lost my mind. Yeah, I mean, again, too, every single time I'm like, but why is this is supposed to be the book of Boba Fett? And he made why a cameo. Are we getting more Mandalorian episodes, but then I'm just like, I don't care. Like it's it's so good, and like honestly, like the whole stuff with Luke, the whole stuff with 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 Grogu, like. It was How so about well Ahsoka done. talking and to then, Luke Skywalker? I'm a friend of the family. Oh my god, yeah. They hooked me. The whole like, point of Ahsoka finally. I mean, I would never in a million years have imagined Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker in the same room. Talking. You're so much like your father. Oh, I, was, I was just getting ready to say that. I was just getting ready to say that. Not so too weird. much like him, I hope. <laughs> There's. There's a couple of moments there, though. Like honestly, like what they're doing is, is they're do they're showing you all. Uh, somebody put it on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was that put it. They're like Star Wars at least is giving the fans exactly what they want. This is, no, this is weapons great fan service. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. He keeps saying that it's all fan service and it's only fan service, but at the same time, it all makes sense. Too. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I wish that maybe we spread it out over six episodes rather than, you you know, having those four just Boba and now having, you know, Mandalorian season three, but... (laughs) But but remember basically... Season 2.5, yeah. Exactly. But remember that Cat Bane, basically, the the reason Boba Fett has a dent on his helmet is because of him. Damn right. And they're probably going to say that the person who killed the tribe he was in was him. Now that would make sense. And didn't you say at one point it didn't make any sense yes. how all these Tuscans could killed, have been yes. taken out by this biker gang? But basically? if it was mm. him, this is gonna make it super personal for Boba Fett. Because not only they have a history, but he also killed his tribe. This yeah. you know, and right. is there anybody with Cad Bane? You know? Mm-hmm. Do you think they would do that? That though, they would bring more this is the, Wait, this is I, the first time mm. that they've upped the Annie. And they've given they've okay. So with all of this, everybody's big thing has been like they're mad. All the all the Boba Fett fanboys, which we're just <laughs> oh, watching so them upset. watching them cry on the internet, is just absolutely delicious. It really but is like, <laughs> because they're not getting the Boba Fett that they wanted. And somebody put it again on on social media. They were like, all those people that have the Boba Fett tattoos on their shoulders are really really mad right now. Um, <laughs> Because the character that was always mysterious, that nobody knew anything about, that was like the quiet badass, is now getting depth. And they don't know what to do with it because he's a normal person. And, like, he honestly just – he kind of just wants to have a family. And, like, that's that's incredible. But, like, what we're about to see is is I got a feeling that this is going to have an unforgiven moment. Yes. Where, like, you know yeah. an unforgiven when Clint mm. Eastwood, after Morgan Freeman's character gets killed, mm. he starts drinking again. Mm-hmm. And when he starts drinking again, you were just like, oh, no. <laughs> Things yeah. are about to get crazy. That's what's going to happen. He's going to hear about Cad Bane, and Boba's going to put his helmet back on. And he's not going to take his helmet off again. And you're going to be like, oh, snap. Like, it's going to get heavy here. And I'm really, really excited about that. Remember that you guys were complaining that it was too nice? I'm going to make a point about that. So, But, you know, it makes you wonder because there's only one episode of this thing left. And yeah. given the way that... 
the slick, sneaky way that they have brought the Mandalorian into this, I got to believe that they're not going to conclude this thing with this last episode. It's no, going to actually no conclude in the Mandalorian. Actually, might be a cliffhanger, yeah. I yeah. believe what they're mm-hmm. setting up is that since Mandalore, it's. You should see how it was during the Clone Wars. It was. Chunks of it were missing for the love of God of the planet. And now it's an irradiated mess in terms of nuclear weapons that were dropped on the planet. Hmm. The suspicion oh, yeah, I have is that they're going to connect the fate of Mandalore with the fate of Tatooine. And wouldn't be surprised if basically the new Mandalore might become Tatooine. Hmm. Ho- 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 hold that thought one second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford and Roberto Ortiz and Camille Richardson. And Camille was just getting ready to say something. Well, we keep going back to Mandalore and all, and now that we know that... Paz Vizsla is essentially related to Pre Vizsla yep. of Death Watch. What the hell happened with Children of the Watch that they're just like these extremist religious like sect? Like yeah. every Mandalorian took off their damn helmet. Every one. Mm-hmm. Like and and Death Watch was an old was basically old school Mandalorians, and they were you know fussy with. Duchess Satine Kree's of, of making everything kind of neutral and they didn't want to be involved in the old ways of Mandalore, but they were trying to bring that back. But they took off their helmet all the time. So what happened with these children of the watch? And also I can't help but think, and I've thought this for a while with uh the armorer, the fact that she's got like the Zabrak horns on her helmet, Thank like you. I'm positive she's one of Maul's Mandalorians hmm. back from Siege of Mandalore. I yeah. believe hmm. that's what happened. I believe that they basically were or like the, the Purge the, did it. The, the elite of the elite for uh, Darmol. In other words, that once they basically, she's not telling the whole story, in other words, that once basically they got rid of Mandalore because they were on the wrong side of the history, they were, this is the actual reason why they were basically exiled to Concordia. Because they were full hardcore behind Maul because they saw him as yep. a true Powerful well, leader. he also, I mean, rightfully earned his place as the ruler of Mandalore. Cause yeah, he, it's, it's, but the thing is that... But what, technically, Darth Sidious is actually the true ruler of Mandalore. Ouch. Don't go there. That's no, it's, it's, it's... I know, I know. Yeah. It's like, damn. <laughs> but the fascinating thing about this, basically, is that I think what's going to happen is that uh, Ding, uh, the Mandalorian, Ding Jaring, is going to have a conflict with his own fate when he realizes these people are crazy. I could feel his shifty eyes when she's like, have you taken off your helmet? <laughs> um, see, what had happened was um, um, it was a robot, I swear. That was it. I, I kind of vomited in my helmet. I had, I had to clean it. But, it it was know, a problem. It was just IG-88. It was, and it was talking about TV's voice, so it's cool. We're good. But have you guys seen the, the memes they made about that where he's talking about this to Boba Fett and Boba Fett tells him, you realize you're the leader of Mandalore now. <laughs> yeah, you got the dark saber. Yeah, yeah. the dark saber. Uh, you tell her she's not a Mandalorian. <laughs> that was some cold-blooded stuff, though, because uh, when that other the the big guy, I don't yeah. know his name, but Paz it, Vizla. Yeah, and, and she was just fine with them fighting over the dark saber. Well, hey, <laughs> he says he wants it. Says it was been in his family. Wants it back. Yeah. Uh, here you we go. Do what you gotta do. You I know. Do I love you know? how we're exactly. seeing Din Jaren struggle with the saber, though. 
Like I'm, yeah. I'm glad I just wasn't some like easy like oh I can do this now and like mm-hmm. I didn't need any training right but you know I mean <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting too though when she's like it's gonna get harder to use because of the way you feel I mean I'm like oh this is I mean I knew the dark saber was bizarre it yeah. ain't just like any old lightsaber I mean you know anybody can pick up a lightsaber oh I don't know what I'm doing they but it's shouldn't. gonna cut through stuff but oh wait the thing gets heavier depending on how you feel you can't just whoa what's up with this thing it's, when you get yeah. to rebels and when you start seeing um, uh, uh, Kanan which is one of my favorite Jedi of all time especially like show Sabine how she needs to like use the dark saber and mm. you know that she needs to you know become one with the crystal and like all your energies are going through that like it, it can feel mm. you like mm. it's I love that that that's been a constant thing throughout with like Clone Wars original trilogy and like mm. rebels and such yeah, yeah. I, really love, I really love that too yeah, yeah. I, I'm getting there I'm getting there I'm up to uh, season six of Clone Wars I just got through that stuff with the banking clan stuff oh and, okay. it, and I've seen the first step yes and I've seen the first episode <laughs> with mace yeah, you know yeah with mace and jar jar <laughs> going to uh that planet and this so I, I've just seen part one I'm like Wait, up to like Madame, episode. um yes from uh, Dathomir from uh the mother mother Talzin. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the witch, yeah, the witch is the witch is a death mirror. Yeah. Yoli, the oh, she I... was she was one of them. She's like the head one of all. Wait a minute! Yeah. No, 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 not the one. I'm talking about the one who's in love with Jar Jar. Uh. Oh, okay. No. 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 Yeah. No. They that, even yeah. they even make reference to her in Book of Boba Fett because um, the the um, mother Talzin the um, the Rancor handler was like, yeah. oh, there used to be. Um, a whole tribe. That yes. Rose yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I th- love that moment too because Boba Fett just like just stops. He's like, I want to ride one. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I feel but, like we're gonna see that in the in the finale. But one oh, yeah, thing sure. that you're gonna mm-hmm. see with Filoni in terms of how he ends stories is mm-hmm. that he's one of the best storytellers in terms of ending the story. The way he ended Rebels is like, oh my god, this is one of the best hours I ever seen. Then mm-hmm. the ending of Clone Wars, the one that. That was, uh, there's no. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It's I like mean, holy cow! This is some of the and the character you see in the in the Clone Wars in the Mandalorian, Ahsoka. After you see that episode, she makes perfect sense in terms of how she is as a character. And I am dying. I think that Filoni, the ending he has in mind for the Mandalorian, is gonna leave people speechless because he's really, really good at ending stories. And, so well, I, we think, I'm just interested in the end of well, the last episode of this Boba Fett well, thing. Well, I think you know? Grogu's gonna choose. I really don't know. I agree. I, oh, I could see it going yeah. either way, and or, that was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, well, because I personally, I'd like to see him train as a Jedi, but I like the way that Luke put it to him. It's like, yeah, here's the male shirt. <laughs> your mithril shirt and, and, I know, and then yeah. I <laughs> and then and oh but i've got this i've got yoda's lightsaber i'm like how you got yoda's lightsaber <laughs> so like, well okay i guess you were the, you were the last one to be with him and you know then your rifle this stuff you know it's like what you got in here yoda oh i'm Sick taking this question, yeah, so i just know. decided to die <laughs> <laughs> so let me get this straight i live in the middle of nowhere with a crazy guy who treats my crap or i go with adventures with the mandalorian who adores me. Hmm. 
I know it's like the Jedi he's way, a, and and, he's and got I know a super sweet hot rod now. Yes, like, I knew what Luke I was doing, know. but I was also like mad at Luke. I'm like, don't talk to that little baby like that. How dare you? <laughs> but you know, it was so cool to see Grogu riding in the backpack. That was like a la was Empire a Strikes one. Back. I was like, yeah. oh my god! Okay, I have parallels. A, I have a good question. It's Who like rescued Grogu from the temple? What? Wait, was Grogu in the temple? Yes, he was. Yeah, because in that flashback, they were showing him watch as the oh. Jedi tried to mm-hmm. fight off. Well, um, yeah, but yeah. I did. I, I, I assumed he was elsewhere. He no. wasn't in the no, Jedi temple when temple. that stuff happened. Somebody I'm gonna have rescued. to go back and look. I mean, I was, yeah. Which is why I thought when like the, the, the lightsabers came out, like he was gonna have some severe PTSD and be like, I don't want to touch no lightsaber. Hmm. I but, saw what that did last time. <laughs> Didn't you squat against the clone troopers? But the question is, and I think this is a bomb that Filoni is holding back. Who took him out of the temple? And I have a suspicion who might that be. Because if they do this, it would be the fans would be like, no way. And I know he would be willing to do it. And I, you know what I'm probably thinking about. I was thinking of somebody else. Who are you thinking? Um, the, the 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 woman who is in charge of the archives. The problem is that he will oh, not be the big. Library? Oh, the No, no, no. It has to be somebody big. Mike, Mike's got it. Okay. Let me put it so somebody who doesn't have hands right now. Oh, <laughs> a Mason lot of Doom. people in Star Wars. I'm sorry. <laughs> Samuel Jackson. You think, you think oh, Mace, yeah. you think Well, Mace I don't think Mace Windu's dead. I don't well, think he's dead. Yeah, no. He, he they, they've said he's not dead. But wait, that would be interesting if you. said it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thing, though, is like anybody can not be dead. Like, we never cannon. saw him actually no. die. He just got thrown off that but building. And, 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 and wait, Samuel L. Jackson has said it, and it's, it was confirmed by somebody like a George Lucas or somebody. I'm going to, in oh, fact. because that was just I'm my headcanon. Yeah. I'm going to look this up. If he basically got <laughs> thrown off that building and was able to survive using the Force powers, the first thing he would want to do is get back to the temple. He's, they won't basically have a lightsaber cauterize themselves. They don't. He will not be bleeding. It basically just stops. He probably will go to the temple and try to rescue somebody. Or yeah. try to do something. And the only person he could get out would be Grogu. If he if they do that, can you imagine the internet how it would be? Like I'm I'm getting just Sam, literally trying getting to getting Samuel L. Jackson back for sure. Yes, yeah. getting Samuel Jackson to be back. He Man's would do it. He's not getting any younger, so you better do it now. Exactly. But he would do it. Yeah. Well, and it would be a wonderful way to reintroduce the character. Yeah. You know, I mean, although if they could keep this quiet, because yes. that would mean that Sam Jackson had been on set, and uh, well, okay, all right, but so yeah, but but see, uh, we got we're we're getting yeah, conflicting information. <laughs> but I think that they could pull it off, and I if, if the cool thing is that they could even present Samuel Jackson in the present day without makeup because. Oh yeah, he'd be perfect. Exactly. He's aged a little bit, yeah. Well, we will surely see, and I think at least that little detail they may actually reveal uh, this coming Wednesday. So, uh, hey, you know, we'll, we'll know soon enough. But look, of course, that musical cue means that we're out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank my panelists and you, too, for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. And check your local listings, find out when it's on in your area, or simply visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got actual full episodes of the TV show and the radio show. We've got segments of the TV series broken out for you. We've got 
We've got all kinds of stuff. Check it out. FantasticForum.tv. Of course, the show also re-airs right here on WERA every Thursday from 3 to 4. If you miss any portion of it over the weekend, don't tune in the following week. But the week after that is when we have that episode air. And also, as always, we are available as a podcast thanks to Mike Lunsford and the Great Geek Refuge. Find it on all the platforms where you can find your favorite podcasts. And... Come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend, people.